0: Hey, my name is Barbie Armenta. I'm a wife, mother, life coach, and founder of Brave One. Everyone has a story, and I believe that you can be inspired in your own life by hearing another woman's courageous story. We are here to talk about purpose, identity, divorce, blending families. If you're talking about it, I want to talk about it. We are here to have brave conversations. Welcome to today's episode. We'll be having a conversation with my husband, Richard Armenta. He's an amazing man husband, father, papa, and the owner of Irwin Roofing. Today, you're going to get a little glimpse into our story that we tell in our book, The Right Combination, Finding Love and Life After Divorce. His story begins in a bit of a dark place, but the good stuff, we'll find that along the way. So let's jump in. So I'm so excited to have you joining me today.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I am excited to be here. I sound very intriguing. A little bit of darkness. <laughs> a
0: little bit of yeah, a dark a little place. mystery
1: going on there.
0: <laughs> but what would you like this Bait Brave community to know about you?
1: So, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, let's start from the beginning, right? Um, so, I was. Dad was 21 years in the military. I grew up as a military brat. So people like to call it, uh, I love the life myself. It was always intriguing going into the gates of the base. And it's like your own separate world out there away from the regular world. Right. But, um, anyway, so yeah, I was born in Japan, uh, in Tokyo, Japan, uh, from Japan. My dad was stationed in Minot, North Dakota from Minot, North Dakota stationed into great falls, Montana. And from great falls, Montana, we moved. To the big beautiful state of texas which i now call home and have for quite some time Uh, my dad retired out at lubbock texas and uh night uh, we was that 1980 my mom actually still lives in the same house we moved into in 1980 if that's an amazing thing (laughs) but but yeah so that's a little bit about me born and raised catholic um you know the youngest of five siblings and um yeah that's kind of a beginner beginner spot for me right there
0: you know as a texan what we say is you're either from here or you get here as fast as you can got here as fast
1: <laughs> as i could that's about what happened
0: <laughs> worked out great for me glad you're here
1: <laughs> exactly
0: so something brought you to the dallas fort worth area so what yeah, about, what so, brought you here
1: yeah so dallas fort worth what brought me here man well i had a friend actually one of my best friends from lubbock texas he had moved out to the DFW area, and he was, I guess, I just call him lonely, maybe, you know, so, because <laughs> he was like, you need to get out here as fast as you can. He goes, pack up, and I was like, man, dude, I don't have a job. I don't have anything. What do you mean come to DFW? And he goes, you don't need that. Just get out here. So I did. So I was one of those adventurous guys, sponta- always been kind of a spontaneous guy. You know, and so that's what I did. I just threw all my clothes in the back of my Chevrolet Chevette, you know, (laughs) which I like to call my vet, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, uh, moved out to DFW, man, got out here and, you know, and just started making things happen, you know, started waiting tables at Bennigan's and, and from there, the man that just journey just took off.
0: So I know a little bit about your story. So I know that there was lots of fun to be had at working at Bennigan's (laughs) at night and also... Is that where you? No, you didn't meet. Where did you meet your. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the mystery lady. The mystery lady.
0: That's what we'll call her.
1: Uh, so, yeah. So, so just so, tell me a
0: little yeah. bit about what life was like here in Dallas. And, yeah, you know.
1: man. So we moved out here in, you know, moved out here in 93. Mark and I moved in together and um, he had, you know, met his now wife, Jewel. And uh, so we kind of went our own way. They got their own place. I got my own place. And, uh, I kind of, I like to call that place the pink palace. It was, uh, all all flight attendants, pilots lived there. And so it was a little bit of the wild, wild west for me. I mean, we talk about talking, you know, touching on the dark side you know, in the part of the book we talk about, you know, in the right combination, finding love and life after divorce. And, and that was kind of my wild side at that time. And so, um, that's where I met, my first wife, uh, we started. You know, as like I said, the pretty much the majority of everybody that lived in those apartments were flight attendants our pilots. One, and so the every weekend at the pool was quite a quite a crazy place. So, uh, without to say the least, but that's where I met my first wife, Holly, and we started dating. And you know, it wasn't so long after in that you know as I call that wild wild west that uh, was we were dating. I found you know, that she was, actually got pregnant. And so we had this discussion of like, wow, what's next in life.
0: So you're dating someone, she finds out she's pregnant. You mm-hmm. were in not really a position at that time that yeah, you thought, yeah. this is, this is yeah. it. I'm ready to settle down. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I wish it was that easy. I, was, I know my first thought was I'm barely responsible enough to take care of myself, much take much less take care of myself, a la- you know, a wife and a child. Uh, but we did we sat down and had that conversation. I said, "Hey, look, man, I can't I cannot promise you and my words to her was, "Look, I cannot promise you a Cinderella story. That's I can't do that. But what I can promise you is I will give this 110% of my effort to be the best father, the best dad and the best husband I could possibly be." And so that's what you know, after much decision, you know, going back and forth, is this really what we want to do? We finally decided, yeah, that's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to go ahead and get married. And so we did. You know, we got married. And it was about that time I thought, man, I probably really need to get my act together. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I should probably. And, you know, I talk about, you know, when my dad and, and we were younger, I mean, I was born and raised Catholic. And one thing my dad always did when we were very little, very burnt into my mind is that he would gather all of us up into one room. So all five of his little rugrats got into one room and, and, you know, and you can imagine what that's like herding cats, but we got in there and, uh, in anyway, we would kneel in front of our beds and, and dad would lead us in prayers, you know, and, and we'd say our prayers every night. So I've kind of always, always had that in me, you know, that spot in me. And, and I went through stand of young life in high school and stuff. And, So, and so I always had that in me and I thought, you know, man, I really probably need to get my act together. Really probably need now that I got a child on the way, I should probably maybe go back to church, (laughs) you know? And so, so that's, uh, that's what got me really getting back into church is, you know, that, that whole moment of like, wow, I probably need to become a little more responsible. So, yeah.
0: So I know that you found yourself at, fellowship church Mm -hmm. in grapevine texas which ironically and part of my story my family also ended up at fellowship church in grapevine texas yeah little did we know that our past would would cross later Mm -hmm. but so what were those years like for you um when being married to holly you're trying to get back in church you're trying to do the right thing and
1: yeah so yeah so that's that was it you know i'm sitting there thinking okay man this is it You, you know get into this you know get back in church let's get this you know start walking this thing out and so that's what that's what we did and ironically at that apartment complex one weekend where we were partying around the pools when i was having this conversation i should probably really get my act together and this guy just comes over and says hey man i heard you talking about church and i was like yeah and so he invites us To Fellowship Church is where we started attending. He's like where that was the initial, I guess the initial kick to you know get us to get me there. But anyway, come to find out, this guy lived right below me in my apartment complex. I mean, directly below me. I mean, my my floor was his ceiling. He invited us to Fellowship Church, and so I went. And who knew that that church would change my life? But that's how I found Fellowship Church, and never saw that guy again. The guy moved out. I always say it was like an angel, you know, because he invites me and we go to church that Sunday. And then the guy moves out and I never see him again, but I end up going to fellowship church. And so, um, and as I'm trying to, you know, getting my walk on and really trying to walk this thing out, I'm feeling good about the direction I'm going. Not that I'm living a perfect life. It was far from perfect. I still struggled with things, but I was definitely trying my best to be the best person I could be. And uh, so as I'm walking it out and doing that, um our marriage wasn't the best i mean we were you know two people who were put together by a circumstance not that we chose each other and um doing the best we could to make it work but it just wasn't working and and so as i'm trying to walk this thing out and lean on god you know become this better person you know my dad passes away in 99 we got married actually dakota was born in 95 we got married in 96. You know, and then in '99, my dad passes away in February, and then three months later, my wife filed for divorce. And um, since I wasn't very strong in what I was doing, I was kind of like, "Oh, all right, really? This is it, God? Okay, man, this is it, really?" So now I'm trying to devote my life to you. I'm trying to walk out this faith with you. And then, you know, this is what happens. You know, I get. You know, my dad dies, my wife falls for a divorce. I kind of feel like Job at this moment. Of course, I wouldn't even know who that person was. I just know now, you know, at that time. But that takes place, and I'm just in, I don't like the circumstances of how everything happened. Um, And so I was kind of like, all right, you know what? I don't like this. And I, you know, and I kind of, since I wasn't that strong in my walk with God at that time, I kind of turned my back on him and said, you know what? If that's the case, I can do this my own way. And so that was, that was the beginning of a very dark slide, we'll say.
0: <laughs> so what do you feel like was the turning point? Like what did your look li- life look like when you had Dakota and when you didn't have Dakota? Because now you're divorced. And like most dads, you've got the every other weekend, mm-hmm. first, third, and fifth. You've got Wednesdays.
1: What do we what what do we call that? The Good Times Dad? Yeah, right? <laughs> That's what call that called Good Times Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Such a horrible name. <laughs> it's like, what am I supposed to do on the weekends? I have my child. We're gonna have a good time, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so um, like I said, I I I reached that moment where I turned my back on God, like, because I was like, really, this is it. This is what I get when I'm trying to surrender to You and walk out with You. And like I said, you know, I was very immature in my walk, and so it was not like that. But that's the way it felt to me. And so when I turned my back on Him, I just kind of went back into the things that I was doing, partying and doing all this. But one thing I did for sure, one thing is that I now was attending this church, fellowship church, uh, that I we started attending while we were married, and I didn't change that you know even though i was living a crazy life uh, you know in you know but i still found myself every weekend in church so the weekends i had dakota that's what i did i calmed everything down you know i took her to church on sunday i ch- i went to church on sunday but i found myself in church every weekend it wasn't just the weekends i had her every sunday i was in church whether i was living my life like hell on the outside i still found myself in church on sunday morning You know whether i'd slept or not i was there and uh so that's kind of where attorney you know for me that's what i did with my daughter you asked what i did with her on the weekends i had her you know that that was one thing i made sure that we did that was consistent and always consistent was i had her in church every weekend i had her but i had myself in church every single sunday no matter what happened that weekend
0: So you're living great when you have her and you're living like hell on the other weekends. (laughs) And so what was a turning point for you? When did, when did a shift happen?
1: Well, I mean, it, Man, I mean, it's kind of a slow slide. You think you'd see it right away. Of course, you probably do, but you're ignoring all the signs, right? But I guess when I started missing rent, I should have probably know something wasn't right. When I got my car repossessed, I probably should know something wasn't right. Hey,
0: man. Those are good signs. Yeah, those are all good
1: signs that everybody else would have probably responded, but I'm just that kind of a hard nut to crack sometimes, you know? So I, I went a little deeper. But yeah, so it was that stuff, right? It was all these signs of man, things, things are really struggling. As my brother-in-law said to me once, he goes, Rich, man, he goes, you got this black cloud that just follows you. And I'm like, I know. And I don't know why, but, but it's really all my own, my own decisions. But I'm like, I'm like, what's happening to me? And it was my own choices, but yeah, he could see it, but I couldn't see it as clear. eyes, was like, what the heck is going on? Uh, so it was that, right? It was all those things adding up and all those things coming to accumulation that I thought, man, I can't do this no more. I I really can't do this no more. If I had to be really serious, I was probably getting about, I know, I don't know, maybe three hours of sleep a night average for the last two years, three years of that mm-hmm. spot in my life. It's horrible. And so I was like, uh, man, I really need help. I really to seek some help and that's what i did i went online and i started looking for a i knew what i wanted right it wasn't just a treatment center i knew i wanted it to be a faith-based treatment center and there was always that thing in me that i knew i needed christ in my life and whether no i was living like heck or not i needed i knew i needed that and so that's what i did I, I went online started searching i'd like to say i found it but god has this way of intervening in my life with other people And I had the place I originally found was up in upstate New York. And I I was dating a girl at the time. I told her, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm checking myself in the faith-based treatment center. It's in New York. And she asked if she could look. And I said, you can do all you want. I said, that's the place I found. And lo and behold, she comes back to me and says, I found a place right here, not that far away. And it's called Eternal Awakenings. And I say that name out loud, Eternal Awakenings, because I want you to get it. Because I think people who walk through that front door, it is you are ordained to be there. It's not just a place. I mean, God is there. Uh, but anyway, so I, I so was amazed that she found it. So she, you know, told me to check it out. I saw, found a phone number. I called and spoke to the owner, Jim Welch, and and him and I. I knew 15 minutes into this conversation, I said, "That's it. I'm going." I was signed, sealed, delivered for me. And that's what I did. So that was May of 2003. I checked myself into faith into um, Eternal Awakenings out in um, at the time I was in Lockhart, Texas. But now it is in Gonzales. But when I found it, it was a little white farmhouse. I mean, just down a dirt road, just you literally gravel dirt roads, surrounded by hundreds of acres of maize uh, maize fields. And so that's all you could see was maize corn, you know, maize fields around you and just this little white farmhouse in the middle of all of it. And, uh, but yeah, so that's, that, that was the beginning of the journey, man.
0: I know that you've shared with me that when you went there, that you said it was more about getting your life back with Christ versus knowing that thinking it was about the drugs.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was, that was exactly what I told Jim's wife, Carla, when we got there, when I got there, <clears throat> you know, as I said, you know what? I don't think I'm so much here, I don't feel like I'm so much here for the drugs as I am to get back what I have lost. And she said, well, what is that? And I said, that's my relationship with Jesus Christ. And she said, well, I think you're in the right spot. And uh, it was absolutely the right spot.
0: I know that you had incredible encounters with the Lord in that place. And they can read more about that Mm -hmm. but i want to know what happened when you came out what was your life like in those that first year after getting out
1: yeah so what took place there which is supernatural you know and like i said the readers can read about Mm -hmm. it in our book yeah i came out it was kind of like this turning point i walked in one person and i walked out a completely different man i it was no turning back it was it was 100 different and i was like look man i don't party no more I, I, and I don't, and my biggest thing is when I went into, into the, uh, treatment center, you know, it's one thing I told Carla was, you know, yes, I'm, you know, here for the drug, you know, it was a drug thing, but I also told her, you know, that sex was probably my second drug of choice, 100%. And so, um, so that's what I did. I walked out, I don't party no more and I don't have sex outside of marriage anymore. And I just made that decision and I was adamant in it. And that's what I started walking out. And so that's what I did, you know, came out of there in May, 2003 and started walking this journey out of what this looks like, not to party and not to have sex outside of marriage. And it was not an easy road, man. I'll tell you, it was (laughs) was a little bit of a struggle when you're a player. (laughs) So
0: how long after did you start dating?
1: Man, I didn't date for a long time matter of fact i i hung out at my sister and brother-in-law's house every a lot i don't i like to say every day it wasn't every day but it felt like it every day uh probably well let's say i hung out at their house so much that she finally said after a few years of this of this trying to figure figure life this new life out she finally said hey you should probably go online, you know, and get you an online profile and you, should, you need to start dating somebody. <laughs> She's probably sick of me being around. But, uh, so that's what I, you know, that was, and I don't know what year was that probably it was a while. I mean, is that was Oh three and it was, it wasn't till I think Oh eight, you know, Oh eight when I decided yeah. to put an online profile out there, but it kind of probably took me that long. As I tell people it, It was a journey you know i think so many people these days get divorced and they they get into this new life of what it looks like and they don't give time to really breathe in that moment they jump right into the next relationship right off the bat they end up carrying all this luggage from one relationship to the next relationship and and what does that look like and so i resemble that story yeah yeah well, and and, and and people, it's like, so, you know, because people might hear and they might think, wow, 03 to 08, that's a long time. And it is a long time. But it kind of took that long for me to figure out who am I? Who am I, Richard Armenta, by myself, nobody else in my life, just my daughter and me? And am I content in being who I am by myself with nobody else pulling on me, stretching me, you know, and... And that's where I got, and it took it took that long, it took like that long to build my relationship with Christ and who I am was a, now new as a Christ follower, but also who I am as myself, as a dad and no one else in my life, and it and so I finally reached that point where I was, I was literally content. I didn't need anybody else in my life, uh, but that was about the time. Cindy said, "I don't need you in my life. I need you to you know, I need you to go." With my sister's like, "I need you to go online and, and make a profile." So that's what I did.
0: So I mentioned in last week's episode that I had received an email from Richard and Irving.
1: <laughs> so your
0: online profile said, "Padlock looking for the right combination." That was genius, wasn't it? So genius. <laughs> Is there something that inspired that? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Looking for the right combination. That's about it. Actually, it's just a great creative thought. Let's just put it to that. (laughs) It
0: was a great creative thought and it worked Yeah, because you reached out and I, and said, I have no idea where Aubrey is, but maybe we should meet. I'm like, well, (laughs) I mean, okay. (laughs) So yes. So we, you asked me out. So you're saying I
1: threw the right lure. (laughs) It was,
0: it was a little weak, but it worked. Yeah. So you invited me for that Friday night mm-hmm. to go to happy hour mm-hmm. at some place in Addison.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Can't remember the name of it.
1: Sherlock. Sherlock's
0: in Addison. And right. we met and I was like. Aren't you
1: amazed? I remember the name I'm of the place. i so proud. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so we met and I was not hopeful because I'd been on some first dates. <laughs> and so I had plans with friends later, just in mm-hmm. case this the happy hour thing right. didn't go well.
1: And what did I have? You remember what I had? No. I had shoes in my car for what? Oh,
0: I know. <laughs> I was getting there. <laughs> I don't get there. Um, yeah. So we met, and the second I saw you was like lightning struck. It took a little longer for oh, you. Babe, but, stop it. <laughs> but I was like, oh no, I won't be seeing the friends later. <laughs> and I was like, the way you dressed, you had flip-flops with jeans, and that was the thing for me. I'm like, you were tall, dark, and handsome. You were checking all the boxes. So <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot of conversation. I just remember looking at you thinking, oh, I hope this is the one that calls again. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. So what were you I felt the same thinking? way, though. I was
1: walking up, saw you from a distance, like, okay, yeah, all right. This might be a long night. You know, this actually might be a long night. I don't know. <laughs> It was
0: good. We had lots of great conversation.
1: You're wearing a top that reminded me of my sister. It was the worst. good or bad. The worst.
0: <laughs> I wasn't that hopeful. I did not wear my best outfit. <laughs> but it. Again, you kept we kept going. So after happy hour, you said, "I'm just not ready for the night to end," and I'm like, "Okay." Right. So that's where your shoes in the car came in. That's we right. That's right. Went dancing, and right. thankfully you didn't have to dance in your flip flops.
1: That's right. I took the shoes just in case the, the uh, our day didn't work out. I still plan to go out dancing. <laughs> You're going dancing
0: either way. <laughs> That is so funny because I've never, ever thought about that until right. you're saying it right now. Right. That You had
1: the shoes because you were going either way. <laughs> just in case it didn't work out, we're going That's dancing. <laughs> awesome.
0: So yeah, went out dancing and ladies, I'm just here to tell you, he knows how to get around a dance floor.
1: Well, I am Puerto Rican. <laughs> yes, he's got, got a little the, bit of rhythm in me. Got
0: the hip thing. Not me, not so much. But let's just say he attracts a lot of attention on the dance floor but that night, he was focused on me, yeah. which was very fun. Yeah. I mean, I could name some songs that we danced to, but they're also old now.
1: <laughs> Apple <laughs> bottom jeans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So then we, so we danced until
1: they closed at right, two right. and Shut then it down.
0: you invited me for pancakes. That's
1: right. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love to get invited to pancakes at two in the morning?
0: Everyone loves to get invited for pancakes. <laughs> Yeah. So we went to IHOP and we talked until four in the morning.
1: Right. Right. Um, yeah. Quite the night. Quite the night. <laughs> Covered a lot of conversation in that, during that. And then we finished it with setting up a second date.
0: Yes. We definitely broke all the dating rules. Cause by the end of that night, we had talked about our exes, <laughs> all oh, the man. things you're not supposed to do. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Right.
0: But worked out. You kissed me goodnight.
1: Right. In the parking lot. Do you remember lot. what I said about your eyes?
0: What did you say about my eyes? You so I was like staring I at did, your I eyes remember. and I was
1: like, man, your cut over, The color of your eyes are like the grass in the Serengeti's. It's
0: smooth, right? Yeah, so it was. Smooth. So smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. There was pretty much nothing you could do wrong at that point of the night. It had been like the perfect first date. So I never invited people to my house mm-hmm. and my house was like my little safe place. And also so far away, no one wanted to drive there. <laughs> So, um, I invited you over for dinner the next night. So much so that my next door neighbor, who was also a single mom, came over and goes, "Are you okay?
1: Like Uh, you never have people here." Right, right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) what do you recall about that second date?
1: The second date, right? Well, the long drive is one thing. (laughs) It was a long drive. No, Um, no, it was it was good. I mean, uh, we you made a great meal. We sat. We had dinner together. and met your Two boys at that time or no they no, weren't there they that's weren't right there. they, they weren't were not there. that's right that was different that was different time so yeah so we sat and you know we had great dinner that was awesome had great conversation and
0: sat down on my porch swing my favorite place your on favorite the favorite place
1: on your porch <laughs> swing and and uh things started to get a little hot and heavy i guess we like that to wasn't say. on the porch swing that no was no exciting. no that was yeah, yeah but that's you know it, but anyway and i think <laughs> is that was the i think Kind of the wah, 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 wah (laughs) part of the conversation (laughs) because I was like, hey, man, I like you and everything, but, um, I don't have sex outside of marriage. And I know that was a damper on the evening, but you know, yeah, (laughs) I mean, right. But look, I mean, it's like, we're older, we're, you know, been through a divorce. I mean, who thinks like that? It's kind of, everybody has the whole thought of really? Kind of too late for that, don't you think? So, but that was me. That's like I said, that's when I walked out of that treatment center. That's who I that's who I committed myself to being. No more partying, no more sex outside of marriage. And I'm trying to live this, you know, walk out with my walk out, my faith walk out as best as I possibly can. So
0: it's the thing that we all say we want until right. it happens. And then right. it brings up every insecurity that mm-hmm. that you have. I know for me especially over time that i was like maybe he's not that interested Mm. because you think that's what guys want Mm -hmm. and you would say to me isn't this what women want to be respected and i'm like yes but also you know and i had even my christian girlfriends were saying to me he's just not that into you Mm. and y'all are you're wasting your time Mm. y'all are just friends and then I'm thinking maybe they're right. That's what they're saying. Maybe they're right. And so, what was your experience from your perspective?
1: From my perspective, well, since I never walked that out before, until in my life up until the time I made that decision, I was actually always surprised at how, I guess, I how's the word how to way to put it how how it was not received very well when I told the person hey i'm not i don't have sex outside of marriage Just you know they're like you know what you know it's like in you know it's just, it was something i thought like you said isn't this what women want they want to be respected i was finding more of the opposite you know of, not that they didn't want to be respected but that's just almost what they expected you know as to you know we're gonna this night's gonna end this way and i don't know if that sounds good or bad or indifferent but i was shocked at how many times that 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 was the case um but um Yes, so for me, it's just like I got to that point where I'm like, okay, I know this is what women want. I know this is what I want. And I know that if we walk this thing out, it's going to be best in the end for, for both of us. You know, if I just got to find that right person. And I know women, you know, your friends are saying, he's just not that into you, but I get it because if you're not trying to walk it out, then you need to, It that's what they're going to think. But also, enable to walk this out You've got to make that decision before you get to that moment, and that's you know it's like people want to walk this out, but they haven't intentionally made the decision. It's, it sounds good, but in their mind, they haven't made that decision. So when when things get hot and heavy, they find themselves too you know too much into it, and it's too late to back out.
0: Yeah, while we were on the couch was not the time to make that decision. You yeah. had to have made that decision right. before that moment. I'm going in. Yeah. So we dated, let's just tell people up front, we dated for four years and nobody signs up for that. It is a one day at a time process, Right. but the first two years were the time where I was just figuring this out. And I kept thinking, if God would just work on him, we could speed this <laughs> thing along. But right. really God was working on me because where mm. you shared earlier that you had become content in your life, mm. just you and, and your mm. daughter. I had not done that. Mm. And so I had a day where I was literally middle of the day in my bedroom. And as audibly, like as if God was with me is how it felt. He said, who are you doing this for me or him? And I had, I realized the real question was, "If this doesn't work out. What are you going to do next time? If the guy wants to, and I knew the answer to that. And I had to get on my knees that day and surrender for myself because otherwise, if you had changed your mind, I would have too. You know, but from that point forward, I was as committed, and God was able to work on me and show me that I shouldn't have been looking for you to give me my value mm. and make me feel worthy. Mm. That God could love me through you, but that wasn't the um, what I I needed to be whole and complete right. without right. you.
1: That contentness,
0: yes. And so we got to about two years in, and. I wasn't content. I was content in my life. I was not content in the relationship with you mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. what happened at the two-year mark? What decision did you make? Well, I mm-hmm. was
1: still, you know, mm-hmm. two years in, I probably still had a defensive, that sounds horrible, A defensive wall up. But I mean, I was still like in the mode of what it's like for me and my daughter, you know. And um, and I told you, you know, early, earlier on, it's like, look, I don't want to rush this thing. If I, because I feel like if you, Come in between me and my what my daughter have. I said I will resent your boys, you and your boys, and I don't want to do that because if I can't step into this, you know, and love your boys one hundred percent as if they're my own, then what am I doing? And so I was still in that trying to not figure it out, but I still wasn't in a spot of I'm ready to leap, make this leap forward. So and that was about that time my lease was up on my apartment. Buddy of mine Ben reached out to me. I've been praying about a new place to live, and he said, Hey you ever thought about apartment ministry and you could have a, you know, place to live, whatever for free. And we can do a ministry together. And what sounds crazy is yes, I was in this two year relationship, but I also didn't hesitate to tell him let's do it. I'm all in. And so we signed up and you know, I, then I told you, I was like, Hey, so I'm doing this two year apartment ministry. Didn't
0: go over as well. Went over
1: <laughs> like a lead weight, it's like, yeah. but that was a turning point. Right? It was
0: i once, You had told me that, and I had felt very much felt that wall that you had up, Mm -hmm. up to that point. Mm -hmm. And when you made that decision and you weren't promising me anything at the end of two years, I had called my friend Cindy and I, she had always told me God's a redeemer of your time. And she was always on your side and cheering you on. And in that moment, she said, you're right. This is, it's, that's too much. Right. And so I was like, whoa, even Cindy agree with me, then this much my, I I'm done. I can't do this. So went to your apartment though to talk to you about it. And um what'd you tell me?
1: Well, actually I'd spent the weekend with my brother and I was sharing with um, at that time his girlfriend. And we were talking about our relationship and and it's she'd actually asked me if she ever, if I ever got this or if you ever got to see that part of me that she sees because very relaxed, very outgoing, very laughing, jovial, easy. And I was like, you know what? Probably not. I saw
0: it, but not with me. I would see you with these other people and you're, you know, doing all these things. But with me, there was this distance. There there
1: was a, yeah, there was a, Mm -hmm. yeah, sort of a wall up and, you know, wall of protection, I guess you'd call it, say for me and my daughter, whatever. And, and not even used to being, you know, with one person. And, but anyway, um, so yeah. And I said, you know what? Probably not. And so we came back that weekend or I came back from that weekend and you and I met and you, um, displayed your disagreements with me <laughs> about, where you, <laughs> about where you were in the relationship. And then I think I surprised you by saying, you know what, you're right. And I don't think I've shown you the best part of me. And so that very intentionally at that moment in time, we sat on the couch and we prayed together mm-hmm. and, um, And that was it, man. There was a
0: visible wall that came down mm -hmm. like immediately. You like to
1: tell people a life switch (laughs) was flipped.
0: It was, yeah, it was crazy. Just, you know, that's just what God does. Mm -hmm. And then also your willingness to kind of surrender Mm -hmm. to that and be vulnerable because Mm -hmm. that's really what it is. Being vulnerable and being authentic, which is something I was trying to learn, um, feels like risk. Yeah. And so that's, Felt risky, I think, for you, but also for me, because I was like, oh, now I've got to actually be Mm -hmm. all in as well. And so to give you a little bit of abbreviated version over that next year, we just um, we were more intentional um, in the past. Most of our um, dating played out at a table in a restaurant, you know, Mm -hmm. because we didn't go to each other's houses. You were super intentional about um, not even given the appearance, but me leaving a car, or anything. We were because at that time I had also joined Fellowship Church. I had been visiting, and you yeah. had been there um, since the beginning. And so I had joined the church, and we had been asked to lead a singles group together. And we were so we were serving in many areas. And at first that was awkward, and we had to find our place. But by the end of that time we were, um, full on, I ended up on staff. So we we did, that's where we were doing life was, um, was in that church and in that singles ministry and with a lot of other couples. Um, yeah. So as well. when that
1: light switch flipped, as you call it, that's when I think all, both of us just really intentionally started seeking each other out, serving each other's needs Really inviting the boys into my life, you know, mm-hmm. really allowing and Dakota them to be, and mine and Dakota and yours, and and that's where the whole thing kind of, kind of mm-hmm. started happening, man. And it leads us to where we're at, you know. I mean, look at us, hey, look at us now, baby. <laughs> look at us now. Look at us now. You know.
0: Yeah. So after the second year is when everyone started saying, Richard, when are you gonna put a ring on it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I need some cake. I'm very grateful for your friends that were yeah. giving you yeah, little yeah. nudges along the way. Sure. And so what was that like? And then there was also a trip to Galveston.
1: Right. So, I mean, that was, um, yeah, everybody's kind of pushing me to that moment. I felt like it was coming, but they were really pushing it, you know, and then, um, and during that time is where we took a, you know, kind of a family, not, not really a family vacation, I should say, because we weren't a family at the time, but that's where we took our first trip together with the boys and everything, went down to Galveston and, and uh, enjoyed our time there, you know, uh, with them and with you and. And I kind of started seeing it, seeing our relationship from what it looked like as a family type relationship. And that's where I, you know, I think I told you on that trip, I said, you know what, I think I could do this. I think I could make this the rest of my life. There's you said things you, that I
0: had won you over. You had <laughs>
1: won me over, dear. That's right. You had won me over. And I think also I just, you know, thought, you know, I could be a dad to these boys or stepdad to these boys, you know, but Yeah.
0: Well, that was an exciting episode, and I would love to keep going, but we're going to save a little bit for next week. But, Richard, I want to thank you because it's not often that we get to hear a brave conversation with the men in our lives or the husbands in our lives. So, I appreciate your being willing to be authentic and vulnerable and share our story. And next week, you don't want to miss the epic proposal. There are some ups and downs, as you might imagine, on blending a family, planning a wedding, and all of that. So we want to share that, of course, the wedding day, and then our blended family journey as we're now 10 years into our relationship. So look forward to sharing next week. Thanks for joining me for today's conversation. If this resonated with you, please save this podcast to your playlist and share it with your friends. If there's a conversation that you want to hear, make sure and reach out at braveone.net onenet and send a topic request. Until our next episode, remember to put your brave on.